Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV. That's B L E A V to get the bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the believe in sports law podcast via the believe network. As always a pleasure to be with you. This is episode 26 of season four. Today is Monday, June 27th, 2022. Hope that you had a wonderful weekend and a great week ahead. We have a, a great episode for you today. And again, appreciate listening in and making us to the number one sports law podcast in the world. And our episode today, we're going to be talking about the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Series uh, that has been in the news lately. And we'll get into, you know, obviously what those two entities are. If you're not familiar, I'm sure as a sports fan, you probably are. And then, of course, what's been going on with both of them in terms of uh, what the dispute is or what some of the concerns are with regard to uh, these two golf uh, leagues uh, or tours, if you will. So, um, and I'll sort of compare it to other leagues and maybe some history and also looking at um, some comparisons to the Super League um, that was uh, floated amongst uh, some of the European leagues, uh, soccer leagues, particularly Syria uh, and uh, some of the other um, uh, Serie A, La Liga, and the Premier League. So in sort of looking at this, um, one of the interesting sort of thoughts is, well, first of all, you know, PGA Tour has been around for, you know, what seems like uh, 100 years now and uh, has been very successful. Um, you know, really the sort of the uh, creme de la creme, if you will, the, the top league, top tour in, in, in the world. Uh, in terms of players and recognition. And there's four majors that occur with that four major events. Uh, you got the Masters, which is down in Augusta in Georgia. You've got um, the British Open, which is in Scotland at St. Andrews. And then you have uh, the U.S. Open, and then you have the PGA Championship. Those are the big four. Then you've got a host of other events that happen, uh, but the big four is really what everyone is concerned about. And it seems like the other events really lead up to the majors or help uh, to build up. Now that's not to take away from, you know, some of the big events like the farmer's insurance open at, um, at, um, down in La Jolla, um, uh, California, but, uh, it's clearly these events are, um, not on the same level as the majors and you not to take away from them, but, um, the majors are really the big events. It's where the television dollars come in and it's where many of the fans pay attention, um, you know, to, uh, to what's going on. Of course, you had the Ryder Cup, which is the 
the sort of U.S. versus, um, um, you know, the world, basically. And that's sort of the, the current PGA Tour, right? And, you know, players basically win purses of money when they, um, you know, when they place in the tournament, finish the tournament, you know, all the way down from, you know, a few thousand dollars all the way up to millions. And a little while back, uh, the Live Golf Series, LIV, Live Golf Series came along. And this is a Greg Norman, um, the shark, uh, back, backed uh, sort of um, league. He was a great golfer, one of the most winning, you know, winningest golfers uh, and most recognizable and has really created a great brand for himself in terms of the wine, the clothing, uh, you know, post sort of, um, you know, PGA Tour career, right? And by the way, you also have the uh, LPGA Tour, which has been very successful. And you also have the Senior Tour. So... And that's not to say there's other there's not other tours around the around the around the globe, but clearly the PGA Tour is is the the most watched and uh, has been the most successful. So the Live Golf Series comes along, and this is uh, sort of run uh, from a commissioner standpoint by Greg Norman, uh, but then it's backed by the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, which is essentially a private fund that goes out and invests in projects across the globe. Uh, of course, the, the the main issue here with the Saudi Arabian-backed league is, uh, you know, people's calls for, um, you know, there's been comparisons to 9-11 and, you know, people saying, well, you know, aren't you using money, um, you know, uh, money that was sort of used to fund terrorism or, you know, what have you, right? Um, you know, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I think that uh, Saudi Arabia has been involved in many different investments with the United States. Um you know, and I'm not an expert uh, in in those relationships, but uh, clearly there is an argument, and there is uh, people who are um, very much against this. But I think from a investment standpoint, this is something that commonly occurs across the globe. Uh, politics aside, uh, whether you want to separate politics or not from uh, from sports, I guess is your personal sort of approach. But I think in this uh, in this podcast, we're going to focus on. You know, really, whether um, the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Series can can join, is there a possibility for these folks to live together? Uh, there's a possibility for these tours to uh, coexist. Is there even a possibility for collaboration or merger, uh, which you know may seem outlandish at first glance, but I think that there's potential for opportunity uh, in some history uh, to this. That I think history can be a teacher uh, in in this sense. So. Let's get into it, right? So we know what the PGA Tour is. We know what the the Live Golf Series is, um, and um, there's been some disputes between this. So Jay Monahan is the commissioner, the PGA Tour commissioner, and um, in response to the Live Golf Series, they've increased the purse sizes. Um, they've gone. They're going to go back to a calendar year schedule in 2024. Um, you know, sort of basically from January to December. Uh, they're going to add some some no cut tournaments, uh, but of course the PGA Tour's approach has been we're going to ban basically any golfers who leave the tour to go play for um, for live golf, and I don't know if that is the right approach. I understand that there's some loyalty to the tour, but it's not a union. This is not like you're breaking union lines. The PGA Tour does not have a union. Um, the PGA Tour uh, is a voluntary organization that players will join. Uh, when they want to compete on the PGA Tour. Uh, but you still have tournaments that are, you know, the U.S. Open or whatever, British Open, where you have 
folks who can play into that tournament. They don't have to be members of the tour. So I think there's a distinction there. Um, but ultimately, LibTor comes along and they're challenging some of the, the status quo when it comes to what does professional golf look like. And what we ended up having is, is we have essentially five major defections of PGA Tour players who have gone on to sign with Live Golf, uh, namely Phil Mickelson, Bryce uh, DeChambeau, um, Brooks uh, Kopka, uh, Sergio Garcia, and Dustin Johnson. Uh, with Dustin Johnson um, and Phil Mickelson. Uh, obviously, other players are, are great too, but I would say those are probably the two uh, headliners in terms of Phil and Dustin. Um, and then, of course, they have a host of other players that are involved as well. Now, with some of those players, they've received 100 to $150 million in terms of signing bonuses, if you will, to go to the, to the Live Golf uh, Series. And then, of course, the purses are bigger. Um, the tournament's a little bit different. There's even availability for, um, for team play. And, uh, and of course they have some of the, you know, some of the great courses as well in there, uh, but they're missing some majors. Um, but of course, one of the issues here has been that, okay, well, what happens, uh, when you have when the PGA tour does not have control over a certain tournament, I'll give you an example, the masters is not controlled by the PGA PGA tour players play there. Uh, but the Masters is its own entity. So the Masters can decide whether it is going to allow, it's a private you know, country club, whether uh, it'll allow live golf players to play there. I don't know what the answer is to this. My guess would be that they are going to allow it. I don't think that uh, they're going to, especially if the live golf uh, roster of talent continues to grow, the Masters is not going to want to miss out on that talent um, just because golfers have decided to play in, a, in another, um, another tour. Right. And then of course, the other big question is going to be what happens in, um, of course we just had the U S open because it, it was an open series and, and PGA does not have control over that. Uh, live golfers did compete in that. They did not do as well as I think they would have liked, but they did compete in it. Uh, so what happens with the masters, of course, the PGA championship that's controlled by the PGA. So that's clearly, uh, probably going to be a no-go for, for live golfers. But that's sort of where we stand is the PGA tour is in this position where, you know, obviously they, they want to help their current tour members. Um, but resources are limited, right? The PGA tour has always been operated from a profit-making standpoint. They don't have the financial backing of the public investment fund via Saudi Arabia. Uh, so it creates a challenge, right? And of course, when you're talking about, uh, and I think just to be frank, the PGA Tour has responded to Live Golf by again adding different purse or additional purse money, you know, uh, changing going back to a calendar year uh, and adding some no cut tournaments, uh, and we'll sort of see how that develops, right? But in my mind, and we've uh, written about this before and talked about it on the show, is for a sports league to succeed, you really need three things. If you're to boil it down to three things, for sort of an upstart league, if you will. And so when comparing these three things, which we'll get into to live golf, we can kind of see where they stand, right? The first is financial capital. You need money to back the series, right? Uh, to get it started, to pay players, to weather the storms. Uh, second, you have to have the ability to attract the best players for the long run. Uh, and then thirdly, you have to uh, provide a way to view the live sports through a wide, widely distributed uh, platform or broadcast. So 
in my mind, Live Golf currently uh, meets all three of these requirements, and you can measure that in terms of, you know, how well they meet these things. Uh, and if we go through them, we can say financial capital. Okay, that's that's their best asset right now. They have the money, right? And then secondly, the issue is, okay, what about players? Well, they've attracted these five great players, but the next question will be, will they be able to attract the younger players and maybe some additional tour play, um, golfers? If they can do that, then they're going to be in a really good position. And then the third is the distribution for live sports. They currently do not have a television deal, but they are able to um, stream the games on YouTube, Facebook, and of course, you can watch it from the website. So arguably, you could say that the distribution is wide, uh, limited in some sense, but wide uh, and possibly more accessible because not everybody has television. Uh, but in this way, you can basically watch from your phone. I guess you could do that with television as well, but meaning that it's probably a little bit more accessible to watch Live Golf if you really wanted to. Uh, if you don't have um, you know, cable television or you're not hooked up through some sort of cable package through a streamer or some sort of television package. So something to keep in mind, I would say that the, the ability to attract players and the ability to get on a wider television distribution would be Live Golf's um, biggest current issues and, and uh, biggest current opportunities in terms of growing this series and seeing where it goes. So we'll sort of see how that does. And of course, Live Golf, because it has financial backing, has been able to pay some of these players a uh, significant amount of money to sign. You know, there's arguably some golfers never seen a hundred million dollars uh, when you're talking about, you know, purses for winnings is usually around a million. And of course the purses for winnings in the live golf series is I think like five, five million. So clearly a lot more in terms of individual winnings, but also a lot more in terms of paying these players. Now is live golf, um, you know, going to be able to keep up sort of this approach. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, talking to some professionals in the space, um, maybe not, you know, at some point, you know, the investment needs to pay itself back and see sort of how that plays out. I, I will say that um, Live Golf is also considering mixed male and female golf tournaments. Um, and then, um, you know, looking at opportunities to, to grow and add more players uh, and providing, um, you know, some opportunities there. In sort of a, an interesting piece of news, um, the um, PGA Tour affiliate in Europe has recently banned live golfers from the Scottish Open. Of course, this is separate from the British Open. Uh, so that's sort of an interesting piece of news. I think uh, on another piece of this, you have um, the British Open recently announcing that live golfers will be able to compete. Uh, so again, there's some you know, there's some opportunity here. And of course, you know, there's risk analysis and everything. Right. And I think that these golfers who have left PGA tour, um, and again, I'm taking all emotion out of this. I'm just looking at this from a standpoint of, you know, uh, uh, just the facts and, and, and the sort of idea about, about these two different tours and what they mean and what it could look like. I understand there's going to be people going to be passionate about this, uh, and, and sort of, uh, looking at this as maybe, uh, if the PGA tour was a union, you know, as maybe you're crossing union lines. Right. So I understand that. Uh, but in terms of what we're talking about in this podcast, it's strictly related to just the facts and just sort of what does it mean? Right. So the British British open is going to be open uh, for these live golf players. The question is going to be, is Augusta going to do this? There's a risk analysis in this. And I'm sure the players thought about this. They spoke with their agents, their managers, their lawyers, 
to figure out whether this was worth it to try. My guess would be Augusta is going to let him in. Um, I don't think they're going to exclude him. I think they're going to want these big golfers there, particularly guys like Phil Mickelson. I mean, Phil Mickelson is a huge draw and, um, uh, and sort of, I think we're going to see where that, where that plays out. So, um, again, PGA tour commissioner, Jay Monahan has said that he can't compete in an arms race in terms of money, although he has upped the ante in terms of adding more funds to the tour to celebrate the players and to compete. But is competition really the answer here? Competition is what brought live golf to the forefront and it's, what's going to continue to, uh, allow them to grow. But should we really be looking at maybe more collaboration here and talking to some golf professionals, you know, is there a possibility that these two could coexist? Is it that maybe the live golf is, um, just a different series, kind of like the USFL or the XFL, you know, you, you know, you have the backing, you provide an opportunity for a competing league or an alternate league or a spring league or a different season or what have you, just another way for players to compete. I don't think banning these golfers is the right thing to do. There's nothing wrong with a golfer wanting to be paid more money. Um, I think if anything, you can provide, you know, you know, opportunities for growth. And, and if anything, the, I mean, I think the live golf series is providing some incentive to the PGA to change, um, you know, some of its payment structure and how it, how it's structured in general. And that's clearly already happened. And of course, before I make, make this next comparison, and we're talking about potential of leagues combining, um, you know, one caveat is that, you know, when you're talking about traditional sports leagues, of course, this is the PGA tour and live golf are not traditional sports leagues. They're individual players. It's probably more comparable to NASCAR and or tennis, right. Or UFC where you have an, you know, an over sort of arching body or league, but then the, the folks basically compete individually uh, and then sort of look for sponsorships and then, you know, and then compete in whatever sport that they're doing, but there's no teams, there's no team salary, nothing like that. Although the one caveat to that is that if you race in NASCAR or formula one, you do get paid a salary uh, from the team. And then you also get paid through generally sponsorships, which also pays for all the equipment and tires and everything else um, or training or what have you. But then uh, it's also goes to the point of, um, you to get paid your, your purse winnings, if you will. But if you look at history, uh, in all big four professional sports leagues, major league baseball, national basketball association, national football league, the national hockey league, the big four, which are clearly, uh, the four top leagues in the world in those particular sports. Um, the one, uh, league that is not sort of the best league in terms of top league in the, in the world is MLS, but it's growing. And we'll sort of see how that plays uh, down the road. But in all four of those examples, MLB, NBA, NFL, and NHL, they all experienced at some point upstart challengers that came along to challenge the status quo, to challenge the existing league. For example, there was originally the National League. That's reason, the reason why they call it the Senior Circuit is because it was the first professional baseball league. Well, eventually in like, you know, the early, what was it? I think it was the uh, eight, late 1800s, early 1900s. You have the American League that came along and challenged that. And they had a team, host of teams. And eventually what happens? These two leagues decide to play each other. They compete. That's great for the fans. It's great for the league. It's great for revenue. And they eventually combine into Major League Baseball. Uh, originally you had the National Football League and then the American Football League. And those now combined 
into the NFL. And now you have the American Football Conference and the National Football Conference. The National Basketball Association had a competitor in the American Basketball Association or the ABA, uh, which now form the NBA. And you don't have ABA anymore, but you have you know individual divisions and 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 Eastern Western Conference, right? But in each of these examples, there was an opportunity where an upstart league came along and the senior circuit took over and said, we're going to take some of your ideas. We're going to take some of your players, uh, take some of your teams, that sort of thing. Um, and of course, again, that's different from the PGA tour and live golf as these are individual sort of players inside of a league versus teams. But I think that provides possibly an easier opportunity for these two to collaborate uh, and at least consider the idea of what that might look like. Otherwise, you're going to get a situation where you're going to get a ton of, you know, let's say potentially a ton more of uh, these PGA golfers defect, so to speak, and go to a uh, go to the Live Golf uh, series. And of course, I think defect is a strong word. You know, the loyalty to the PGA Tour is that you know basically you're a member of the tour, but the idea is you're an individual. You're competing to win. Um, the tour is basically a league office, so it's this would be as much as a uh, as a major league baseball player fights for the major league baseball, you know, again, it's a different circumstance because maybe players take more pride in being a PGA tour member than they do, you know, saying, Oh, my alliance is to major league baseball. Um, but again, I think the two sides should at least consider this. Um, but Hey, then again, maybe the competition's a good thing. And maybe eventually you get into a thing where maybe once a year you, you have, a live golf versus PGA tour event. And you say, Hey, who's the best golfers in the world? But I will say it's created more interest in the game, uh, you know, the game of golf uh, and, it, and it's provided more eyeballs on it, which is, I think a good thing for, for really for everybody. But I think history is an example. Um, and, and I think it's further an example when you look at, let's say the USFL, the USFL in the 1980s um, was this upstart league, very successful initially, got some of the best players and Herschel Walker and Steve Young to come play for the, for those teams. And they paid them big dollars, but ultimately it didn't work out. The league folded and that was sort of the end of that. Um, and even in the major league baseball example, there were some teams that were left out in the merger with American, American league and national league, just like in the continental league, uh, it was talked about, um, in the great book, uh, bottom of the ninth inning by Michael Shapiro. And this idea that this upstart league is started by Branch Rickey. He gets teams to come, you know, to basically be a part of this league and the New York Mets and the Anaheim or Los Angeles Angels at the time and all these different teams. And eventually what happens? Uh, that league gets taken over. Um, and essentially the leagues are the teams, some of the teams in that league become a part of the bigger league. So just think of this in the standpoint of instead of leagues, you're dealing with players. And how do you combine these two tours? or at least have them compete together, which I think would be great for the sport, by the way, because clearly if the PGA tour was perfect, you wouldn't have any challengers, you know? So I think competition is a good thing in that it brings out ideas. It brings out challenges, this sort of thing, but following the, the sort of idea of the USFL, uh, you'd be careful about competing directly because yes, you have the financial backing, but you don't want to just be throwing money down the drain, right? You want to be able to recruit the best players, have them stay, have them be consistent, Players want to know that they can compete with the best. Uh, that's that's what it, you know. Being a top-notch athlete is all about. Of course, the XFL is a lesson learned here too. It's 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 failed on two occasions so far. It's now in its third iteration. 
We'll see how that goes. And of course, the USFL is now back for its second iteration, and it's been somewhat successful. Looks like they're going to have they have television deals, and they're going to have some of those players from the USFL actually sign with NFL teams. So potential there. Um, of course, the major issue with the PGA Tour and 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 live golf is of course the financial backing there's a lot of concern over the money being provided by saudi arabia um, i'm not going to comment on that in the sense that you know i'm not a political expert there uh, but um, uh, it is something to note uh, but i think um, you know having a conversation and, and sort of seeing where this goes might be helpful uh, to both leagues because at the end of the day what we're dealing with is players and, and, and people's families and so in my mind you know having a conversation uh, or a consideration of, of looking at ways to work together or to compete against each other um, in a sort of an open fashion might be helpful. So again, is it sort of outlandish as the idea might seem in terms of PGA Tour and Live Golf sort of combining or collaborating or coexisting? You know, look, at the end of the day, money talks and people, and, and, and that might make people walk. And that's clearly what, that's what's happened. And can you blame them? I mean, the standpoint of making money, you need to get offered a $100 million paycheck um, you know, it's, it's, it's something to consider, right? Um, so, and especially players in this sort of situation of like, Hey, I can take a hundred million dollars in hand, or I can continue to compete every week for, you know, million dollar purses. Right. So, but again, I think the key to going forward is going to be, can live golf attract younger, the younger generation of golfers, number one, and number two, can they land some sort of television partnership to compete with the PGA tour? Um, we'll see what they do. Uh, I think, uh, some sort of competition is great, right? Competition is always a good thing. Um, but I think collaboration could be helpful here too. And you could see both of these, uh, leagues, both of these tours, so to speak, um, so not only surviving, but potentially thriving. So I think there's, there's a, there's a ton of opportunities here, uh, for these two different, uh, two different tours. And I guess we'll just see, um, uh, you know, sort of see, uh, where that takes us. But again, folks, thanks again for listening in. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. Uh, this is the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Network. Thank you again for making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. We look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.